0: Let's pray. Almighty Father, we ask that you will give us insight and will you teach us and will you show us um, the wonderful way that you desire to sing over us with loud singing. Teach us what that means, that we may sing in response. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, uh, take a look at that last reading on page 11. Um, You ever read anything from Zephaniah before? Yeah, well, hey, there's a first time for everything. So um, take a look at it. It's a really good book, Zephaniah. This is a little excerpt from it. And there's something very striking that I want to show you in this reading. Um, And it has to do with singing. singing's a really important thing this time of year. We're doing it a bunch this morning. Um, why do we sing? Why do Christians sing? Why do we sing at Christmas? Well, let me show you. Look at verse 14. Right there, there at the beginning, it says, there's a command, sing, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter, Jerusalem. Okay, so it commands the people of God to sing, but but do you know why we're commanded to sing? Do you know what the reason is? Well, look at verse 17. 17 says, "The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior warrior who saves you. He will take delight in you, and in his love he will no longer rebuke you, but here it is, he will rejoice over you with singing." and with loud singing. Here's here's the kind of interesting thing in this reading. Usually, religious people think about singing to God. And we do that at Christmas. We do that. We sing about God. We sing to God. But in this reading, it switched around. So that God sings over his people, over daughter Jerusalem, over Israel, over us. God sings over us. He's the one that starts it. And then we respond and sing back to him. Now, you might think, well, why is that important? Who really cares? I mean, whatever. But it's really important. It's really important because... When you understand that dynamic, that we don't sing first, but our songs are just a response to God singing over us, when, that, when you understand that dynamic, when that gets down in your bones, you'll understand the meaning of all the carols we're singing today, you'll understand the meaning of Christmas, but more importantly, you'll understand the, the meaning of the whole Christian life, and if you're not a Christian, what you're invited into. Let me explain. So this last reading, like I said, it was written by a guy called Zephaniah about 600 years before the time of Christ. And um, this is an excerpt from the very end of his book. And it's a song. It's a poem, but it, it, it's, there's a way in which it's a, a song. And the whole rest of what comes before it in the book of Zephaniah is a set of songs. Now, this song that we just read, is this excerpt, is a celebration song. It's it's like a Christmas song. It's a hooray song. That's why we read it today. But if you read all the songs that come beforehand in Zephaniah, they're different. They're not celebration songs, they're protest songs. In fact, if you read the whole of uh, Zephaniah, it, it's like a protest album. It's, it's like, I don't know, Bob Dylan, you know, back in the day. What is he protesting? He lived, Zephaniah in ancient Israel, or ancient Israel, Judah, ancient Jerusalem. And over the course of his life, the nation was just falling apart because it had become so corrupt. Uh, it was corrupt in a whole bunch of different ways. It was corrupt politically. It was corrupt religiously, and it was corrupt uh, economically. So they were uh, oppressing the poor economically. They were justifying it religiously, and they were uh, exerting the pressure. Uh, uh, politically, and there's a bunch of other problems, too. And in Zephaniah's songs, um, God is the main speaker, and God protests. God's not complicit with Israel's corruption, with Judah's corruption. He's not complicit with it at all. He's protesting. He's slamming it. And he demands, all through Zephaniah, God demands reform. Reform! However, And you can pick this up in some of the readings, um, or in, in this reading particularly. On the one hand, Zephaniah's songs all demand reform, but at the same time, they hold out a promise. The songs promise that there's a very, very special day coming. And when this very, very special day comes, on this one day, God's going to do two things at the same time. God's on the one hand going to hold the nation accountable for the corruption. God's going to bring justice on the one hand. But then on the other hand, at the very same time and on the same day, God is also going to restore the nation. God's going to exalt over the nation with loud singing. Justice is going to happen and liberation is going to happen And somehow it's going to happen on the same day. On that one special day in the future, the song's going to change. The protest songs will end and the celebration song that God's going to sing over all of Israel will begin. Now, guess what happens? Because we know the history. Do you know what happens? Um, Well, there was a guy called Josiah. He became king of Judah and he implemented all kinds of reforms. However... Tragically, it ended up that they were too little too late and within a few years after this, the whole nation collapsed. And in one sense, it's a really, really sad story because under Josiah, King Josiah's reign, he was was about as good as it got and and their best efforts at reform were good but not good enough and when the whole nation falls apart, Judah is left with with a, a question And the question is, what happened to the end of Zephaniah's songs? I mean, I was always looking for the the last one in the playlist. What happened to that one? When will the day come when God will change a song? From protest song to a song of celebration. Or maybe, and sneaking underneath all the other questions, Judah is thinking... um, what if the last song in Zephaniah, it just ends up to be a sentimental fantasy, right? What if that last song that was so encouraging in those years, what if that last song was just a false hope that was well marketed? What if it was just thrown in there at the end of the song set to help us through long, cold winters in exile? Now, pause. Do you ever feel that way about Christmas? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever find that, you know, this time of year everybody's singing different songs? Some are religious, some are not religious, but you you find that you you can't really identify with the joy that's being described. Do you ever find that your pain is actually increased as you sing these songs? If you can, if that, if you're one of those folks, then you can identify with with Judah is feeling, and and what they felt when they sang this song. And it's a big issue because, and it's a big question, because if all Judah has is nostalgia and sentimentality, then they have nothing. And if all we have is sentimentality and nostalgia, then we have nothing. It doesn't comfort. That's why sometimes it feels so empty. Isn't that true? Aren't there times where it feels like Christmas is just... Uh, with all its high promises and lovely carols and stuff, it just feels like false hope that's really, really well marketed? Now, Jim, you're being cynical. Am I? Or is it just realistic? All right. Go back to Zephaniah. Because there's help. Zephaniah gave us some help. Do you notice in that reading when it is that God will finally change his song from protest to celebration? If you read it through, you should read it through later, it's not when you think it's going to happen, or at least it's not when Judah thought it was going to happen. Judah thought it was the, the, the song would change from protest to celebration when Judah finally sorted itself out, when it reformed itself into good. But that's not, according to our reading, when God changes his story. According to Zephaniah, God changes his song when God shows up in person. When God shows up in person and does the hard work. Look at verse 15. It's when God himself shows up as the king of Israel. It's when God becomes Israel's king. Josiah was good, but not good enough. It's when God becomes Josiah's king and he's finally personally in their midst. That's when the song changes. That's when the day is going to be coming. When that happens, you know that this very special day is, is on its way. Now, that means that Judah's best efforts and self-reform good and important as they were weren't a waste of time but they weren't not enough god had to show up personally and do all the heavy lifting himself now that explains why this is a christmas song a christmas song it was written 600 years before jesus it's a christmas song why well think with me the whole point of christmas is that when jesus was born in bethlehem that was the moment that Zephaniah was looking forward to. That was the moment when the Lord became the king of Israel, when he finally showed up in person, when he was finally, Zephaniah says, in our midst. In fact, the name of our church, Emmanuel, you know what that name means? God with us. It's the whole point. The Lord finally in our midst. But there's more. Because if you read through the life of Jesus, one of the things you notice is that God the Father, whenever God the Father speaks to Jesus, he's always singing over him. Did you know that? Do you remember um, Jesus' baptism? If you don't remember the story, Jesus goes into the water, he comes up, and God, the Father, starts singing. We don't have the music, but he says, this is my son, and with him I am well pleased. And in that, he was quoting two different songs from the Old Testament. This is my son, that's Psalm chapter 2. With him I am well pleased, that's Isaiah 42. He's singing two songs, singing songs of celebration over Jesus Christ. And it was a sign that the day was on its way. Now I can imagine somebody saying, well, that's lovely for Jesus, but the rest of the nation is still sitting under the protest songs of God. And we are too. Well, that's where the cross comes in. Because on the cross, Jesus switched songs with us. What does that mean? On the cross, Jesus voluntarily took upon himself Judas' corruption human corruption, all of our corruption, he took that upon himself, and God's protest, Jesus had only ever experienced God's celebration song over him, but now, on the cross, Jesus experienced the protest song of God that all the rest of humanity has experienced. But it was even more than a protest song, because God's penalty for evil came down upon Jesus. Now, he took it upon himself voluntarily. And the reason he did that is because that was the day That was the day when the song changed. That was the day, verse 15, when God did two things at the same time. He brought justice against corruption, but also he released his songs of celebration. The Lord took away, verse 15, the judgments against us. And that's the day when Jesus gave his righteousness and his innocence and his uh, full pardon and his acquittal away to us so that if you belong to Jesus Christ you get to step out from underneath God's protest song just as it is and you get to stand under his song of celebration. The Lord rejoices over you if you belong to Jesus with loud singing. And that explains why it is we sing. Why do Christians sing? We sing because we are hearing the song of God over us. We sing in response to God's affectionate, loving, over-the-top song of grace and mercy. You see, when Christians sing Christmas carols, I need to be careful here, because sometimes we sing things and we're totally being nostalgic and sentimental, let's be honest. But... When we are first listening to the song of God singing over us in Christ, then when we sing Christmas carols in response to that, then it's not nostalgic, it's not sentimental. We're entering in to the relationship that Jesus invites us into. We're listening to God's song in Christ and it is so beautiful and so kind that we can't help but sing back. But then that's just the beginning, because it's bigger. It's much bigger than that. Because Christians, it's not just that we sing songs every now and then. The vision is that when we really hear God's song in Christ, and when that really gets down in our bones, and we see, when we see that in one day God took away the song of protest over us and instead gave us a song of celebration over us and pours out affection upon us that we neither earned nor deserve, when that gets down in our bones, then we want all of our life. Our ambition is that all of our life becomes a long song of praise in response to God. It means we want our career to be a long song of praise to God. It means we want our family life to be a long song of praise to God. It means that we want our choices, every last one of them, to be a long song of praise to God. It means everything that we are, we want to offer in song, metaphorically and literally, back to God, because He sung over us. That's why Zephaniah says, Rejoice, daughter Jerusalem. Now, that all begs a question. What song you under? How's the soundtrack? And inevitably, there's going to be some of us who are living under a protest song. Some of us are living under our own protest songs. We're protesting ourselves. Are you? Some of us feel the weight of God's protest against us. And some of us are exerting every bit of energy we possibly can to get out from under the weight of that protest song, and we've just been reforming ourselves weary. My guess is that, undoubtedly, there's others of us who are actually deaf to any kind of protest song against us at all. God's or our own or anyone else's. And if that's you, then let me just say, be careful, because if you never hear God's protest against you or anyone else's, It's a sign of arrogance. Whatever song you're under, consider this. Jesus was born in a stable and he died on a cross so he could switch songs with you. And this Christmas, verse 17, is God's offer to you. Look at it again. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. Don't you want that to be true? In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with loud singing. That's the offer. It's better than any other gift you're going to get, but like any other kind of gift, it has to be received. It's not automatic. Don't imagine that it is. Receive it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emanuel Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jim Saladin, the minister here. At Emanuel, we seek to see, describe, and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of New York City and ultimately the world. We rely on the generous giving of people like you. Consider supporting our ministries at give.